If you have a Bible today, let's go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. Actually, let's get two places. Matthew chapter 24. And uh, let's also get over into 2 Peter. Now, there are many, many references we could run on my subject. But I'm just going to run a couple of them. And don't really plan on keeping you too long. Now, here's the thing. We hear a lot today about so much different things in the news media. And I want to set a little bit of a stage for you that we need to get what we believe and our, say, reaction or our response to what people say and what they're believing. We need to get it on a Bible foundation, okay? Not, not just biblical. It means to be biblical, but it needs to be Bible. And I, I see today that even Christians, and I mean, you know, practicing Christians, they get a little sidetracked, a little bit, you might say, a little bit off kilter by making their thinking, without meaning to, be submitted to what's going on around them. Let's, let's take the example. Now, I'm going to read uh, a few verses in Matthew 24, read a few verses in 2 Peter 3, then I'll give you my subject. Matthew 24, we're just going to pick it up in verse 6. Now, we know the context. He's uh, on the Mount of Olives. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, verse 3, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? And he said in verse 6, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Would you keep that in mind? That's not my subject exactly, but keep that in mind. All this stuff that's going on, it's not the end. Now, might we be near the time of the catching away of the bride of Christ? We might be. We might not be, too. If you consider that a few years to us seems like a long time. Okay? Verse 7, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, pestilences, like covid Stuff like that. You be, it's amazing the history of this word pestilence encompasses a lot of stuff. That's why it's the best word to put in your Bible. Pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places, all these are the beginning of sorrows, etc. <clears throat> now, let's get the forest and not the trees. Okay, Second Peter chapter 3. By the way, while you're there in Matthew chapter uh, 24, look down around verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels, but my Father only. I've always believed that the Father didn't tell the Son when he was coming back, when all this was going to happen, because it says that he shared everything, told everything to his disciples, that, you know, he loved them. And so the Father's like, you know, I, <laughs> that part of me, you know, that part of the Godhead, can't let it know what when I'm, I'm going to have to keep this in my own power. Verse uh, 37, but as the days of Noah, which is Noah, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Could you get this in your head? It's not going to be like flipping a switch. Things will start happening and then it's a process if you'll read your Bible. Even those who have it basically right, they've got the seven years of tribulation going. 
But then you've got battles, then you've got a thousand years, then you've got the battle of battles. So keep in mind the big picture. Now watch. Verse 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah, that is Noah, Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be grinding at the mill, the one be taken, the other left. Watch ye therefore. Now, you say, well, that's just to the Jew. It might be just two of them, but it's definitely for us if you see how he treats kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. Second Peter 3. I'm not even going to argue with you about that. I can, yeah. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter 3. Let's stay, we'll stay focused on our task at hand for this few minutes. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now my subject today is climate change. Climate change and you as a Christian. Climate change and you. Now I need you to just listen a few minutes before your mind just goes all crazy. But you need to note that the world is going to go through a whole bunch of cataclysmic type stuff. He talks about earthquakes. He talks about pestilences. It's going to happen towards the end of the lifespan of the earth. And unless you know a little bit of Bible, and hopefully you know a lot of Bible, okay, that there's going to be all kinds of trials and troubles and sorrows even before the rapture of the children of God. When he says it's going to be melt with a fervent heat, you'd call it climate, global warming, climate change. You say, no, that's a one-time thing. Not if you read. He said, Jesus said, there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be pestilences. There's going to be wars. He said, these are the beginning. So you and I are not going partway through the tribulation like the first half of it, just because these are going on, but it is to be expected. And I'm going to make a handful of statements here for us to look at, about five statements. Number one, the earth is a place of probation and testing. Because here's what my concern is for Christians. My concern is Christians allow themselves, uh, we'll say socially, politically, to be herded, you might say, into one side or the other stuff. For example, let's take theologically for a minute, doctrinally. Christians allow themselves to be herded into a Arminian or Calvinistic way of thinking, and the truth is, is in between those. It's neither one of those two extremes. You know they're extremes because they're given to people as an option, as a question. Which are you? Are you Calvinistic or are you Arminian? I'm neither. He's got some of that right. They had a little bit right. I'm Bible. 
There's nothing wrong with that. If you're not careful, you'll think that you've got to answer that in a theological way that will uh, appease, you might say, or communicate with somebody who's decided that, that their seminary education or their commentaries, okay, or their series that they ordered from some fellow on radio, television, and internet. But you don't. And so when it comes to this thing about the climate, global warming, climate change, here's how a Christian, I'm going to talk about five things and we're going to come to a conclusion that I hope will help you a little bit when you're talking about to people because it's going to come up if you have any interaction with people other than just yourself or your little family or your little tiny clique at church. It's going to come up. And if you're not careful, you have allowed the world and so-called conservatism to herd you into one side or the other. So, for example, someone says, don't you believe in global warming and climate change? Believe in it? Do I believe it's happening? Sure, there's a measure of it happening. Is it going to end in five years or ten years? Well, that just depends on God now, doesn't it? Are you going to stop it from happening? No. So if, for you as a Christian to say we have to deny that it even exists is ridiculous. And you don't want to be some offensive knucklehead that says, well, I'm going to do everything I can to haste the global warming and blah, blah, blah. And you don't want to do that. I understand opposing some of these knuckleheads that are out there and, you know, and spending hundreds of millions and a billion probably dollars, you know, to about climate change and all this. I get that. I get that sense where we, we stand up against it. But at the, on the other hand, I don't know about you, but I want to be able to point somebody to God and the Bible and the future so they'll get ready, first of all, for their soul's sake. And then secondly, for eternity's sake, their eternal reward's sake. So the first point that you got to get in your head is that the earth is a place of probation and, and testing. It is not just a place where you exist, even as a Christian. Many of you Christians got saved and maybe you got around a bunch of real old-time Bible-believing, you know, uh, audio and tapes and books and, and all that kind of stuff. And so you're just maybe are just a rabid Bible believer. And by the way, some of us are more rabid than you because we really believe the, all of that book, especially the part that tells us how to treat people. Amen. So let's say you get hold of that and you're like, well, I just don't care. Well, we ought to care because let me tell you, number one, the earth, the earth is a place of probation and testing. You say, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Go back and read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And when God put them in the garden, he created Adam first, made the animals. He brought all the animals before him. He let Adam name them, and he couldn't find one that would meet Adam's need as a human. And so he made him a, a creature-built, creature-designed helpmeet. Adam was created. He was assigned and then here's what God did. He gave him one tree out of all of them to leave alone. And then he gave him one tree out of all of them that had life. So one tree could be his undoing and one tree could be eternal life. And of course, the others he could just enjoy. It was a place, the earth, the earth that you're living on is a place of probation and testing. Because the earth is the Lord's, he can do whatever he wants with it. See, it's not a probation of us worshiping the creature. 
It's a probation of us worshiping God and listening to him. <laughs> We're not supposed to worship the creature more than the creator. But let me say this. Many of y'all worship the, cre the creator in a very sterile way, a, a, a doctrinal hard way. But a lot of you don't know him, know him. You're saved. And you, some of you could just quote scripture around me easily. I mean, leave me for dead. I try to stay in that book. But you could. That doesn't mean you know him. So understand that the earth is a place of probation and testing. It is until you get saved, and it is once you do get saved. The only reason he leaves you here is to let you glorify him, hopefully win somebody else to Christ, be a light, be salt, and get some eternal rewards. You are on probation. Now, if you've received Jesus Christ, you are not on probation for your soul. You're not on probation when it comes to your eternal destiny. But you are on probation when it comes to your relationship with God and your eternal rewards. And you ought to live that way. You know, when someone's, uh, let's say they're a felon or they're on probation, there's rules, there's things they shouldn't, can't possess. There's uh, people they can't associate with. Well, I hate to tell you, but as far as God's concerned, friendship with the world is enmity with God. You're on probation. You're not on probation about your eternal destiny, but everything else is probation. But just get it in your mind. The earth is a place of probation and testing. So because it's the Lord's, he will do with it as he, as he wishes. So secondly, the evolution is downward and not upward. Things are spiraling, but not in a climb. They're just spiraling in a descent. And, you know, an evolution has different... Def, uh, different uses of that word in English. Uh, the series that they do when they're training, like the Navy SEALs and stuff, they go through what they call evolutions. But evolution as we know it and we hear it used all the time is more than just a series of things that are unrolled and unfolded. It's saying that, okay? It's saying that what's happening is things are getting better and advanced and all that, but it's not. One of those synonyms is change or rolling out like the evolution of the ages. You said, well, we've evolved with medicines and drugs. Yeah. And you listen to the, the, the side effects list and it's pretty scary. Amen. So evolution is downward and not upward. The planet is running down. It's winding down. Now, God didn't tell you to do everything you could to make it wind down. So as, as children of God, we're not to brag about, we're not to be, you know, crass about the fact that evolution is downward, okay? Now, the earth is a place of probation. Evolution is winding downward. Why is that so important? Because the end, this point number three, the end is not the rapture. The end is not the catching away of the church. Now, if you're not careful, people today have, have just, they've generalized everything to the point, Christians, where they think the solution to everything is just the church gets caught out. Oh, no. And, and here's the other thing. They think that when the church is caught out, bang, the tribulation starts right then. There's no evidence of that. There's evidence of all kinds of wild stuff happening before the actual 
tribulation starts, both the first three and a half and the second three and a half years. So that end, the rapture, the catching away of the church for us is the beginning. And things are going to get really, really bad before the rapture. Just mark it down. It's not going to be boom, we get called away, then doom. No. You've got to read some history, my friend. Church history. I mean the last 2,000 years. You've got to get a hold and read of some of Fox's Book of Martyrs or the Martyr's Mirror. Read some of the things that have happened historically to Christians since Jesus Christ left this earth and went back to heaven. 2,000 plus years now. So the end is not the rapture. That end for us of on earth is the beginning of everything else. Now, once you get in your mind, this is coming to a logical, a logical conclusion, a logical progression in our thinking. Because climate change, global warming, all that stuff is not you deny it or you embrace it. Now, we're supposed to acknowledge it. There is no doubt the world is in the earth and the, and the system around the earth that, that it's betraying man. It's turning on mankind. We weren't... Oh, I, hear, I hear Christians talking about, you know, God gave man dominion. He took that away as soon as man fell. He didn't give him dominion, all that stuff. Now, you're a lot safer not getting attacked by a shark if you ain't in the water. Amen. Or an alligator or a crocodile. You're a lot safer. There are things that he said in, in Proverbs 8 that, that, that wisdom rejoices in the habitable part of the earth. But mankind always wants to go to the in, in uninhabitable. They were signing different crews to go to different parts of the world. And, uh, you know, they've got a, some kind of post, mail, a post office, a mail station down in Antarctica. And they put these people in it. And, it, you know, it's this certain way of life and all this stuff. You know what that is? That's man trying to defy God. Mankind trying to defy God. Because the end isn't the rapture. Okay? It's not like the rapture is going to come and boom! All that, all that stuff you read about. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, narrative in the book of Revelation alone. Never mind all the references that it's referring to in the Old Testament that it's going to be fulfilling. So get this. Okay? The earth's a place of probation and testing. That's why it's, that's how it's built. And evolution is downward. So yeah, climate is changing. You say, well, we don't believe, you know, like that little girl that got up and made her all this. Of course we don't. Of course we don't, we're not panicked. But you got to understand, the world is panicked because they think this is all they've got. And they don't know they're going to pass away. So the end is not the rapture for you and I. We're going on to heaven, but it's not the end. It's the beginning. We're going to judge the feet of Christ. So why is it important for us to get a, a real good, proper, biblical view of global warming, climate change is what I'm calling it for this message. Because number four, the endangerment right now while we're on the earth for you and I as Bible-believing Christians is our consecration. The endangerment is of our consecration. See, is it going to endanger our comfort? Yep, it's not our comfort that it's in danger because we will get more uncomfortable. I can promise you, if the Lord tarries, 
not too long, things will get uncomfortable. You thought the pandemic was bad. It's just getting just uncomfortable. It's just getting started. You think the governments of the world are messing up and usurping power. They're just getting there. They're just barely getting out of a walk, not even into a jog yet. The endangerment is not of our comfort. It's not of our freedoms or the constitution of wherever you live. No. God doesn't care about all that stuff. Do you not understand how much of Paul's life he spent hindered, chased, persecuted, and he was in God's will? You say, well, he, his shipwreck might not have been. Oh, come on. Oh, sure, it might not have been, but who in the world are you and I to try to figure out the life of the Apostle Paul? Do, do you believe your Bible's inspired and then preserved? Well, then those, those accounts are in there. And the book of Acts accounts are what he wants us to have. So there's nothing in there to indict in a negative manner the Apostle Paul. The endangerment is of our consecration, not of our comfort, not of our freedoms or constitution, ready? Not of the future of the earth. The future of the earth, Christian, is not guaranteed. There is no guarantee that there won't be earthquakes and catastrophes and disasters and cyclones and hurricanes and cold and hot and extreme weather and extreme conditions. There's no guarantee that we won't live through that. Even as Christians, we're going to be called out here and raptured because the end's not the rapture. So God may allow and cause a lot of stuff to happen that has nothing to do with us getting out of here and being off time or behind schedule. All these things that are happening are a distraction and a diversion of our energy. When you let somebody who's obsessed with, say, climate change and the fear of it and global warming and the fear of it, when you let them cause you to go whoop over in the right ditch, there's two ditches on the side of the road, the left in the right. Let's say you veer, they're over in the left and they're living in fear and they're fear mongering and they're changing laws and they're talking about electric vehicles and electric power and blah, blah, blah. And everybody, child of God, if you spent as much time in your Bible as you spend thinking about that rubbish, if you spent as much energy on praying for souls and people and the work of God in your local area and missions, if you spent that energy on that, You'd be surprised at what happened in your life. Your consecration would grow. But instead, there's the distractions and the diversion. There's the dissemination. The disintegration of your energy. See, if you're not careful, you're spending all your energy resisting all these things, and some of it, you're, spent, you're, you're, you're denying the Bible. See, if you get in a, happen to get in a conversation with somebody, you can give them truth. You can give them truth in the nicest way, and it's still going to penetrate them. You, I don't know if you've ever had very many needles put in your body, shots, drawing blood, or whatever. You can slip that needle in there, and it's still in there. You don't have to run up and throw it like a spear, like some of y'all do with the Word of God. I'm just trying to wake people up. Why don't you let God wake them up? There'll be times occasionally you get... But you know... The fifth point is this. The efforts need to be the gospel. 
climate debate is never productive. Because some of you are determined to say it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. Let me give you a personal testimony here. Okay? Do you remember back in uh, 19, uh, 2019 and 2020? Okay? <laughs> End of 2019, beginning of 2020, you know, pandemic, COVID, all this stuff. And I heard everything you can possibly. I was in the and, and the work I was in, you know, it, it was a service center and you had people from both sides of the aisle, as they say, both sides of life, every side of life coming in. Some were everything but a hazmat suit. Some of them were like no, no precaution whatsoever, just daring God to give it to them. We had to stay open. We were an essential service and uh, we tried to do what we could and everything, got what information we could as workers, as a business. And, and uh, so we, you know, did what we could and we worked with the public every day. November of 2020, my back started hurting down low and I've had some injuries, fell off a roof, grew up breaking horses, a couple car accidents. So I thought, man, that's, that's near that spot that just gets really bad. I mean, so bad you can't even like put your socks on. You got to lay them on the floor and slide your foot in them. And after about two days of that one afternoon, I told my boss, I just need to, I'm, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the apartment and just lay down, see if I can kick this. Two o'clock that next morning, that night, it erupted like a bomb. Now, you know what I'd heard hundred, hundreds of times, not exaggerating, hundreds of times before there is that it didn't even exist. It was just a hoax. It's other stuff. People weren't really getting it. They're just, you know, and I got a major dose of it. Now, thankfully, I wasn't so stupid that I thought it didn't exist at all. I was just hoping I didn't get it. But physically and even mentally, it, it, it took its toll. It was a big deal. Thankfully, I didn't get hospitalized. Probably would have if I'd actually gone, you know, and had somebody check me out. But instead, I just isolated. And it was a tough road back. Now, now, hear me out. Here's what I'm saying to you. It isn't, there is no such thing as a pandemic, or we're frightened by it, we're paralyzed by it. There's an, it said, let your moderation be known, made known unto all men, Paul wrote to Timothy. That's where Christians belong. Climate debate is never productive because the climate is changing and it will change for the worst. It will. Now, we know as Christians, everything can't be blamed on that, but it is wearing out. And it is going to get tougher. I, I tell you, I used to tell them when we would be in a tough situation, I'd tell my fellows, cheer up, it's going to get worse. And then I'd give them the verse where Paul said, we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. He wasn't talking about how you get in as your salvation, but the path, <laughs> the path is rough. The knowledge that it will get worse and that we cannot save it can be a good opening if you have your heart right with God. Yeah, that's what I said, your heart right with God. Your heart isn't right with God if you just want to have debates and divisions, disputings. did a message very recently on do all things without murmurings and disputings. Some of y'all are master disputers and it's ridiculous. It's un, 
Christian and it's carnal. It's not the Holy Spirit in you. Now, some will mock. Well, let them. But have enough sense to be a Christian and not a right-wing conservative. You're a Christian. You say, well, I had somebody say to me, well, aren't you a right-wing conservative Christian? I said, no, I'm a Christian. And I hate to tell you, but everything that they're doing far to the right, a bunch of it don't make sense biblically. See, this is a prophetic issue, not a political issue. 2 Peter 3, we read you about seeing all these things, looking for and hasting of the coming, verse 12, okay? Look at verse 13 for me and 14. This is where I want, I'm pulling you towards to leave you with these couple thoughts. Watch. 2 Peter 3, 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And we do. Wherefore, beloved, <laughs> seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. You need to be without spot. I need to be without spot and blameless in the way I deal with people and with the gospel. We need to be diligent. We don't need to be diligent and allow somebody to paint you into a corner. And, and, and many of you, look, you're going to have to backtrack a little bit. I'll guarantee you, some of you are going to have to eat crow. And you may not take out an ad or tell anybody, but you're going to have to eat crow in the sense of saying, you know, uh, the next time it comes up, say, you know, things are changing. But there's just one problem. We as humans are not going to be able to solve it. We're not going to be able to. We're not going to be able to solve this problem and to avert it. Because here's what's going to happen. The earth's winding down. It's running down. The evolution is downward, not upward. See, if you would deal with people and give them a chance, you might be surprised. You say, well, the majority aren't going to get saved. Well, of course not. But thank God. I thank God somebody dealt with me. I wasn't reared in a Christian home. I didn't come up around any of this kind of stuff. But I thank God. I, you know, I thank God. My dad and my mama, they're all in heaven and all that. Uh, the man that discipled them is... Well, the craft's in heaven. But I thank God that he had some wisdom and some tact. And listen, you couldn't move him off the Bible. You couldn't move him off of what was right. His Bible, his wide margin King James Bible was marked and underlined. And I mean, he could teach that book. But he knew how to help people. He had some good old-fashioned common sense. Hey, he had an earned doctorate. So he wasn't no dummy. But he knew how to deal with people. And so I'm going to challenge you a little bit before we go. Climate change and the Christian. Is the climate changing? Yes, it is, folks. You say, well, it's not really warming. It probably is. It probably is. Think about it. It's also going to get harder and worse. There's going to be more disasters. And when that happens... If, if you're some hard, tough kind of Bible, well, they deserve it. No. What if it happens to you? Do you deserve it? Are you going to be bitter at the world if it happens to your house or your place or your family? Of course not. Surely you wouldn't do that. That's not Bible. That's not Holy Spirit. So this is our chance. This is our opportunity 
okay, that our efforts need to be a, of the gospel. We need to be thinking, preparing our thoughts, our minds, our words, our answers. We need to be able to answer. Why is it so important to be able to give an answer? Because there we can help people and we can do some things with the gospel. We need to be ready to give an answer of the hope that lieth within us. You know why we need to be? Because people need it. There are people that are out there. In 1 Peter chapter 3, he wrote, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Do this. Picture that you write God's name, God, the Lord, on a piece of paper, and you put a circle around it. That's sanctifying the Lord God. That circle is a fence. It's a hedge. It's a 20-foot-high concrete wall that says God is off limits. I don't doubt him. I don't critique him. I don't even allow stuff to challenge him. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, colon, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. At the end of the way, let it be that they will be ashamed when God says, uh, wait, hang on, let me, uh, let me show you what this person was doing. They're trying to lead you to salvation. They're trying to help you find God. Climate change in the Christian. Well, the earth is a place of probation and testing. And the evolution is downward, not upward. And the end is not the rapture. Just the beginning of that last cycle. The endangerment for us is our consecration, not our comfort, not our freedoms, not our future on the earth. Let us not let it dissipate our energy. And the efforts need to be of the gospel. The effort needs to be, I'm going to be able to preach the gospel. I'm going to be able to speak to people about the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this time. We pray thee, Lord, you would uh, use it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.